Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome, guys, to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans. Um, sorry if I'm a bit all over the place today. I've moved my room around a bit, um, redirect, re sort of setting up the music room and things on in the same spot. I've got to reach behind me to get my tea. And my cable is all over the place. Anyway, that aside, um, firstly, I just want to start with uh, a moment of sad reflection for. Um, the Queen. Now I know this may not be, for, you know, this goes to all corners of the world, and not everyone is a loyalist like me. Um, but uh, I just want to say that uh, here at Heavy Metal Tones, we'd like to spend, send our respects to um, the grieving family of a Queen and her children and her, uh, and her subjects, such as myself, and um, just to say that. Uh, uh, we will miss her. I have been very sad the last couple of days. I cried a lot and I felt like I'd lost a family member. Um, I know that's not really rock and roll man, but uh, just, I just want to let you know, you know, just how if, if, if this week's episode feels a little bit sombre, it's not meant to be. Um, it might just be me being a bit melancholic, you know. Um, there is a cream for that, I believe, but uh, I can't afford that right now. Anyway, I thought melancholic was a vegetable, but anyway, no, stop it. Um, oh, some tea, hang on. Uh, now the that my respects have been paid, I'm actually drinking my tea from a mug with, with Queen on it. Um, a friend of mine bought me, when, on the day of her passing, bought me a, a Queen mug. Couldn't get me one with the Queen, but got me one with a Bang Queen, which is equally as lovely, isn't it not? Um... Yes. So, this week's episode, let's get this a little bit more out of the sadness and into the light, shall we? Um, and so we say, God save the king as well, I should say. Um, this week's episode is what one of my favourite albums of all time. Possibly up there with, in the top five. Um, it, although my top fives do change, of course, because 
we're not dead yet, are we? Things haven't we haven't heard everything yet. Um, but Headless Cross by Black Sabbath. This is obviously the third week in our mini series of the Black Sabbath era albums. We've done Ozzy, we've done Dio, and we're now about to do Tony Martin. Um, a reflection back to the Dio one. Um, I got some really good feedback on it. Yes, I was a little bit negative towards some of the songs, but I, um, and it's not my nature to do so. But I, as I've said, um, I feel I have to be truthful uh, about that. And I didn't want to do the easy, point the finger and do the easy heaven and hell because you could just eulogize about. Um, this way, as I said, this week's week episode is the, is my era. This, I would call this is the Tony Heaven's era Sabbath album. Um, you've got a picture, I've said this before on the podcast a few times. I was 17. I had one of my very first pay packets. I took a bus and a train right across town from my, my little house in Hendon up to Hammersmith. Um, and I went into the Hammersmith Odeon, you know, it's an iconic um, venue. And I was buying at the time, actually, uh, tickets for Fish's um, first tour on his solo album, uh, uh, Vigil in the Wilderness of Mirrors. And I had literally earned, I, I earned 50 pounds for the week. And, I, and most of that I had to go rent to my mum, bus for, a bus, a bus, train ticket for college, because I was, I was at art college. And, um, you know, food and living, because mum didn't buy me food. Um, and so it wasn't much money. And I went with my 20 pounds I had put aside for me for the week. And in once I was buying, I bought the ten pound ticket to see fish, and I looked across, and at the poster to the side of the checking the the ticket buying window. Yes, people um, in this world of, of instant gratification, we had to go to the venue to buy the tickets. We had to point where you wanted to sit, and they would say, "Yeah, we can do that," and that was his cost. Now, I had to get nosebleed seats because I couldn't afford. I couldn't afford the front, and I couldn't afford any of the like a the, the lower tiers so I was right at the back and the tap the ticket was 10 pounds 50 50p t- tax I think it was um, and I turned around and there was a, that black and white poster of a headless cross and the uh, and I, it was it was April I believe you know for that that gig was April 89 and I actually April 1990 apologize and I bought that ticket I went, oh my God, I turned back around and said, how much is this? Because I'd only just bought the album and the single Headless Cross. Uh, and I've been listening to it, like, but I didn't know they were touring. This is, again, this is pre-internet people, you know, you know, we had to sort of um, listen to the grapevine. If there was an, someone was banging a rock somewhere, I'd hear the note, you know. It's like jungle drums, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I couldn't afford to keep buying Kerrang! and, and stuff. So when I bought like Melody Maker or Kerrang, it was usually like an old old one, or I got it from a mate, or they found it on a train or whatever you did, um, like we did with our pornography. You know, we found it on a train station platform. <laughs> anyway, um, you you, I was um, I said right, how much is that? And I think it was something like I got like the cheap tickets was eight pounds, so I had a like pound one pound fifty left to my name for the week, and that was like that was like the the Wednesday so I didn't have I wasn't getting paid to the following Thursday I remember when I told my dad if he could lend me a fiver um, he was furious and um, 
told me to stop waste my money and uh, I've many people since then have said the same thing to me and I replied with a double digit and I blew a raspberry and I left the room I won't do a raspberry because it'll hurt your ears uh, anyway so that's me that's why this is my era there's also another funny story about it so I've got the ticket um, I got off early for work that day because um, I used to work the nights and I got the night off and um, I got my brand new leather jacket on that I'd scrimped and scraped for. It was a brand new leather jacket so it was one of those, you know, I always felt a bit out of place because for me gig jackets should be worn and, and old and brand new was a bit... I'd, I'd worn it at Donington the previous year just when... Um, I think it was headline white snake were headlining yeah anyway um i had my my brand new leather jacket i had my i think the t-shirt i was wearing at the time was very uncool i was wearing i think it probably was a white snake shirt i can't remember no i should tell you what it was it was love in an elevator from aerosmith i had i had that t-shirt why i had the t-shirt i don't know i think i got it at donnington anyway um we, I went there, got queued up, got in. I had drunk a fuckload of coke. Like, I couldn't drink alcohol, I was too young, right? So I was drinking loads of coke. And I drank like, loads of chocolate peanut M&Ms. I remember a big, big bag of them. Because it was in the foyer there. Because um, the support band were my... Sort of was not really interested in the support band. So I was just eating uh, and drinking and chatting to people. And I went up into the gods and you know, I had banged like there was going out of fashion man and um i was feeling really off and i rushed off to the toilets literally they were behind me two rows back against the wall with the toilets near the exits and i was vomiting um into a urinal very classy of course and uh, this guy with um he's all clad in denim never forget it he's probably dead now he was really old and he could pat me on the back and he's going, oh man, the drugs, man, it's the drugs. And I couldn't turn around and say, yeah, no, it's chocolate pee and M&M's. <laughs> I had to say it was the drugs. I'm like, yeah, man, the beer and the drugs. <laughs> and I, because um, I looked like 15, yeah. And um, I, went, I hastily rushed back to my, to my seat when on comes Brian May and he sings, he comes on and does the encore when Def Calls, I think it is. And then on, and Giza comes on as well. It was it was it was crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, I almost missed it if I'd been head down in the toilet any longer. So you know, I did. So I can say in my life I got to see Brian May play live. Yes, it was with Black Sabbath, but you know, crazy time. And I and I remember, um, I'd bought a Black Sabbath shirt. No, I hadn't. No, I didn't buy a Black Sabbath shirt. I I had a couple of quid that I scrounged, and I got a. Um, a tour program, which you don't don't get those anymore. Although when we saw Sabbath last, there was a tour program. I think it might be a Sabbathy thing. Um, same happened when I went the following year to see them uh, on the TY in the Tier tour as well. So I'm just, my, just putting my tea down. I've just reached across. So the album itself um, recorded in August to November 1988. It's 40 minutes and 13 seconds long. Um, it was recorded at the Sound Mills in Leeds. Woodcray Studios in Birkenshire and Amazon uh, Amazon Studio in Liverpool. Um, it's their fourteenth studio album, released on the twenty fourth of April, nineteen eighty nine. Tony Martin's second album with the band. Now, 
Um, if anyone knows their Sabbath uh, um, historic, uh, Eternal Idol was their first one with Martin. Now, I love that album so very much, but I'm not going to talk about the album right now because I, as, as I've done with this um, era of this, this mini-series, I've sort of picked albums that people wouldn't choose. Now, I've this is a slightly um, different story because it's my favourite album and it's Tony Martin and I'm going to do this one. Um, you know, people do say that Tear is a better album. I've heard people say that uh, Eternal Idol is a better album. I actually think this is their best album, period, um, outside of Aussie. Uh, and, and and that's a big call with someone like Heaven and Hell, but this is just... I th- because it rings the bells with me, guys. I think it's it 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 um, reignites sixteen-year-old Tony's love for heavy music uh, and guitar-based music. It really does. It was recorded on uh, Miles Copeland's label, IRS. That's uh, Stuart Copeland's brother's label. Um, they had been in you know, in negotiations with different record labels. Sad thing about this, unfortunately, guys, is this and, and Tear, both recorded on IRS. And IRS are, are no longer viable, obviously, for some time now. And you, there's no reissues. There has been a reissue of it on anything. It's not on any streaming platform. It's not on any... Uh, you can't... It's not being reissued yet, although Tony... I interviewed Tony Martin, one of my lifetime achievements. Um, please, if you do want to listen to that or watch the interview, go to Metal Ruse. Uh, I'll put a link below for it, um, and have it, and you see me chat with with Tony, um, and he says that um, there are there are negotiations. The trouble is that because Ozzy and his wife, um, I said that loosely, his wife, um, because she and he control the black sort of control the, the Savage label name. Um, it's not easy to get out and do because he wants to, like, apparently Tony was telling me that uh, Iomi, um, Tony Iomi um, called him up and said, look, hey, you know, um, we'd like to, um, it was at Jeff Nichols' funeral, I think it was. He said, I want, I would like you to come and, you know, redo some more vocals for Tear to and, and for um, Headless Cross and we can reissue it. Uh, and Tony got really excited. Then he got a call back from Tony again and said, look, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Legal reasons. Um, which is a really, it's a real shame, I think. It, it truly is. Um, uh, the lineup for this band, uh, for this album, is Cozy Powell on drums, the legendary Cozy Powell. And to say I saw like, Cozy Powell play is another one of my life's experiences that I can't ever, ever take away. Um, watching him doing uh, the drum parts NIB for instance um, as I told you last week you know like I said you know uh, uh, some drummers are I think are open shouldered and some are a narrow tight shouldered uh, you know there's that sort of marching sound whereas some are splashy jazzy sound and Powell really he, he was open very open across the kit like very expressive and very expansive um, a bit like Marco Miniman um, we were watching, watching a video about him the other day that John sent me amazing drummer and, and he's sort of very open and expressive again, again Nicka McBrain is exactly the same I think they're in that same feel um, you know they're because of the they're raised in the UK listening to the UK heavy rock, heavy metal heavy rock bands like Bad Finger and Bad Company and 
um, you know, uh, free and deep purple. They're open and expressive, like cr uh, cream and so on. Um, uh, and he, Cozier played previously, if you don't know who he was, he played with the Michael Schenkner group, Rainbow and then Jeff Beck, um, and many others, of course. Um, then we had, Ozzy was, was, um, Geezer was, was wanting to leave, to join the band and very excited by it, um, but he got uh, a call to play with Ozzy on um, No Rest for the Wicked and took that that choice, I think, um, which is fair enough, because No Rest for the Wicked is a um, absolutely cracker of an album. And if I ever do an Ozzy uh, miniseries, that will be one of them, I think. Um... Tony had thrown the uh, Iomi, that is. I'm going to call him Iomi now because there's too many Tonys in the band. Um, great name, Tony, by the way. You know. um, Iomi had um, had asked to get Dio back in, thrown, the, you know, thrown that weight around after Eternal Idol. Um, and then Coverdale as well was asked. Um, but uh, once Tony had sort of rehearsed again with them, this is Martin, um, uh, when Martin had, had, had uh, rehearsed again with them, they realised, "Hey, we, we we've got a band here that I don't need to we don't need to fuck around with these names. We can sell this music on the back basis of the quality of of Tony, not on the name that the other two bring." Um, the the bass parts um, are played uh, originally by Joe Burt from Eternal Idol, um, but he left, and then. Um, during recordings and so Lawrence Cotty finished the album and featured on the title track and video but not live um, I saw it was the bass player played live was Neil Murray um, it was it was weird I have to say um, turning up to see Sabbath with I've consequently seen the four original lineup but seeing Sabbath with the only original member being Tony Iommi was weird um, uh, and there was a ba there was a part where the bass player Neil Murray, if anyone was there at that gig will remember, he did a bass solo. I think he sat down to play it. He had a red bass, um, long blonde curly hair, very 80s, very early 90s, sort of that bridge gap um, period. But um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant bass player, um, and he's played on so much stuff. He's a, he's like a jazz, blues bass player, and so he's got so many. He's such a gifted. His chops are so gifted. The album reached 31 in the UK charts. That was due um, due to the fact that IRS uh, didn't do their duty to the band and to the record. Um, there's a story, a, a great story that Tony Iommi says that uh, we were in Canada, in, in I think when I wrote Montreal, Toronto, and they were walking around in record shops as you do, like looking for your album. I mean, I do the same, and. Um, no albums, couldn't find them anywhere. They'd been out for three or four months, not in any stores, because they had mucked up the distribution. Um, and the story goes that Iomi went into the um, distribution office of IRS in Canada. Oh, ready. And um, now I can't imagine this because Tony seems to be, even though he is a brummy and a hardcore um, dude, I don't. He doesn't seem the kind of guy that would chin someone. But he says he was going to chin him. Now, for those that don't know what chinning means um, around the world, uh, it's an English colloquialism to mean hit someone. 
um, hit them in the chin, smack them in the face. Um, I used to use, used to a nut, um, so to head back, head butt someone, you know, uh, give them a, a Glasgow kiss, you know, um, those sort of thing. Anyway, so that that's why the album didn't do as well as it it, it possibly could. Um, it's the only album in the band's history to be a hundred percent. Uh, solely conceptually around the occult devil worship. Now I don't know whether that's Tony Martin's influence or the reading the reading the um, reading the the wind, as in this is the kind of album that people want to hear. Is it something that that uh, Iomi had been thinking about for some time? I think it's absolutely perfectly apt for um, Sabbath. Sometimes when Sabbath um, albums. You have these really good, dark, um, black themes, and then it goes off and becomes like a song about a hole in the sky, or you know what I mean, or, or God forbid, country girls. Um, you know, that sort of thing. It becomes a little bit, it doesn't have. I know that they wrote the album, the album concept or the band concept was because of Hammer Horror movies. And they love the horror movies and a bit of shock tactics, and no one else was doing it. But I like to say that I think um, I think that this is why I like this album so much. You know, I think it's because um, because of those dark themes. Now, two album songs on the album had to be changed their names because Ozzy had only just released um, two tracks on the rest for the Wicked. Um, uh, Devil, so um, Call of the Wind was originally called Hero, called Hero, and you hear the lyric in it. Called, it says Hero in the lyric. Um, and Devil and Daughter was Devil's Daughter, um, which both those singles, both those tracks off of off of Ozzy's album are these days. I would say get fucked. Um, the English language is not something you can um, bandy around. You, you know, sorry, that was me reaching over my tea down. Um, you can't say that one word on an album I mean it's it's almost preposterous isn't it it's like saying um, telling the Beatles that they can't have help on there because there's a song released on another album that's got help written on it at the same time and it's a lot of nonsense really um, but litigation is litigation and Ozzy's wife is Ozzy's wife and you don't go crossing that family um, and they may have also done it out of, you know, okay, guys, sorry, we'll, we won't do that. I remember when um, Iron Maiden released an album at the same time as Marillion. Marillion had a single called Hooks in You. Iron Maiden had a song on the album called Hooks in You. And, you know, I know they're different genres, but you could possibly say something, couldn't you? Anyway. It's also there's also only two tracks on the album that don't end in a slow fade. There's a weird little fact for you, um, and that that for me is <laughs> an odd fact. Why did I write that down? Um, and these are the, the, the those two tracks. So, um, uh, "Call of the Wind" and "Devil and Daughter." The only two tracks that don't have a slow fade. Right. That's for you music nerds out there that want to write that down in your book. Now. Sadly, unless you've got a copy, um, the only place you can hear this is illegally on YouTube. 
So anyway, I can hear it. I don't actually have a copy of this anymore. Um, I lost it years ago at a party um, in Hampstead, actually, North London, and it's very hard to get hold of. I mean, you're, you're, I can get copies at extortionate prices, and if eventually it doesn't get reissued, I'm going to have to do it. Uh, anyone out there that's got a copy wants to give it to me, please private message me on my Facebook page. Um, I'll put the link below and let me know. I'm happy to pay postage. I'm also happy to buy a copy off of you at a reasonable price. I just want a copy on vinyl, I'd, even on CD, to be honest. Even on cassette, I just want a copy of it. Um, even 8-track, for fuck's sake. I'd take it on 8-track. I can't play it, but I just want to own a copy. Um, same with uh, Tear as well. Um, every time I've gone to someone, especially who has them, I've asked them, they say, oh, I just sold one only recently. Then they might be saying that just to piss me off. Um, probably not. I don't know. They may have just only just sold it. But those out there listening... In my big audience that I have, uh, if you do have one and you'd like to donate it to the to the show, it would be very much appreciated. Anyway, I'm coming to the end of side one. Matthias deciding to go cold. I'm going to now do track by track. Now, um, you have to bear with me on this because I can't uh, listen to it easily. So it's um, a lot of it's from memory. A lot of it's from uh, a poor YouTube rip. Okay, so I'll see you on the other side, guys, and we'll chat about Headless Cross. Bye now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Welcome back, guys, to side two of uh, the Sabbath classic uh, review of Headless Cross. So, I am going to talk about the first track, the title track, the eponymous title track, Headless Cross. So, v sonically, um, the whole album is very much um, Tony Martin's footprint all over it. Um, he does have a vocal styling very much like Dio, um, and I don't have an issue with that because I love Dio's voice. It's not Dio's voice I had a problem with the last album. It was his um, ego written all over the album. You don't get that, this with Headless Cross. Um, it's very, very the first track. I mean, it's a single. It was a, the single off the album. Um, it's very atmospheric. It has a very late '80s, early '90s drum sound um, opening up. It, it's almost like it's a, 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 a electronic drum kit. Um, it sounds like Cozy is tuned um, quite high um, on his toms, and um, so he sort of has that kind of really. Um, really re responsive snapback from the, the when he hits it, you can hear it. That it's almost a bit like, without sounding um, weird, it's a bit like the drum sound from something coming in the air tonight. Uh, something in the air tonight by um, Phil Collins. Doom, 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 It has that sort of like that room sound. It's very filled. I don't know how Cozy recorded the album. He probably recorded it in the room uh, mic'd fully like to get all the atmospheres not individual pieces because um, I know that uh, this, the trend for the time was to mic each drum, pe drum piece and then mic the room uh, and, then, and then and then gate them and mix them together and I think you get that with this feel this here um, it really sort of the song itself and the album itself really taps into my love of of the occult and of uh, paranormal and of the um, the absurdities of uh, of religion and um, and the the the, the um, satanic panic sort of thing uh, and it sort of really really does with this headless cross um, first single uh, it's quite dramatic I think it's Tony's it really has Tony's this is me, this is my album, Eternal Idol was great, but this is something I'm going to be really proud of. And you can always feel that he's got this sense of, of I've come of time, my place, you know. Because Tony is the longest, second longest vocalist outside of Ozzy for the band. Um, yet people don't talk about him, people put him aside, you know, they just go, oh, Ozzy, oh, Dio. Um, and it, 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 you know, to some extent, it really, really, and I'm going to be rude here, guys, fucks me off, right, it really is. Really, the guy's a multi-instrumentalist, by the way, guys. He plays bass, drums, keys, sings, he mixes, you know. Um, anyway, you know, uh, f flute, I mean, he, you name it, he can play it. Um, and he can bloody sing. He's got pipes like like, 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 like probably the set, best set of pipes you'll ever hear, I reckon. Um, this, uh, you know, you could put them up there with the, with, the, with the best, you know, you put them up with your Dickinsons and your... And your um, your Dio's, and your um, Halfords, you know, you really, you know, um, the 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 riffage on this song um, is a bit. I think this album is 
the only downside I'm going to say to the S album, we'll not get that in conclusion, but to this song is sometimes I feel it's riffage light, it's Iomi light, um, and I think it's the the mixing because some of the some of the phrasing on uh, on Tony's on, sorry on Iomi's um, guitars are quite stodgy, they're quite laid back in the mix. Now that could be because I've for the last. 20 years I've only ever listened to this album through a dodge digital digital copy I I probably if I once I get a, a decent vinyl print or a tape uh, I'll be able to give you that a better understanding uh, the way at the moment I listen sounds pretty thin to me um, but the but it's back to his old self it's it it's Sabbath back back Sabbath. I can't tell how exciting this is to me um, Eternal Love is an exciting album, but after things like Mob Rules and things like that, it's so good to have um, a colossal album. And this is a colossal album. And I think there's not that's a great way of describing Sabbath to anyone who's never heard them. It's a colossal sound, you know. Um, I think G- uh, Jeff Nichols' keys feel the void, feel the space, add a swirling wind, a, a, a blasted heath, a... Uh, Macbeth, uh, Hamlet, you know, um, probably shouldn't say Macbeth on the podcast, I should do the Scottish play. Um, you know, it fills those voids, um, and and with Martin's um, ability to, to take a, a note, a, 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 a vocal range, a, a, a phrase from Hero zero to hero in a second, you know, just jumping up and, and soaring, uh, it, it, it's brilliant. Uh, this is why this single. It, what a way to open an album! Open an album with your with one of your best songs. It's brave, you know, because you can either open it with a weaker song and then you know lull them in and then really smack them in the face three songs in, or you can finish on a very strong song. Well, I think that this is a great song song to start with to be honest this album is you know yeah i'm gonna say this because it's my favorite album and i'll eulogize but it's all killer no filler it really really is you know doesn't hang around headless cross great guitar solo you know great bass parts uh, cozy's modernistic drum pattern comes in and then starts to thunder down like right like um molten lava from a volcano and you just it rains over you and it sort of sits and fills the void the air is full of smoke and sulfur it just is amazing and then we move um it's also got great sing-along you know this is another good thing about this album is the sing-along stuff it's really really sing-along um then we move to straight into another hard and heavy um devil and daughter now this song and again, without having the lyrics, you see, this is very t- tough for me. I don't. I usually like to research the lyric and then sort of think about the lyric. I can know the lyrics inside and out, but I want to see them written down. I can do more, more thinking about it. But like, this feels like it's um, Hammer Horror. So Hammer House of Horror was a film school, a film production company, in the 50s through to the late 70s and early 80s that made uh, horror movies and started out making black and white. Um, sort of gangster movies and pirate movies and stuff. I actually did my asylum movies originally. I did my O-level um, exa- uh, English exam on the uh, dissertation on the rise and fall of Hammer Horror. 
uh, Hammer Film Studios. Um, and so it's quite important to me. And so when I, this song here, to the de- reminds me or sounds like it's being inspired by the film To the Devil a Daughter, which was one of the later Hammer movies with, um, with Christopher Lee. It's there, it was like Hammer's version of Rosemary's Baby, basically. Uh, a little bit, if I'm going to be honest, <laughs> actually better than Polanski's Rosemary's Baby. Polanski's Rosemary's Baby is a classic, but it's, it, it sort of, this is a bit more crazy. It's a bit like Blood and Satan's Claw or something stupid like that. Um, oh, sorry. I've thought about doing a side podcast on horror movies. I might do it one day. Um, and on British comedy, post-war British comedy, but, you know, can't keep doing all this stuff. Um so yeah it's quite thunderous um i think that cozy power takes the lead on this out on this track uh he sort of is mixed more forward um the uh the guitar solo in this is quite magical it's it's different i think tony's solos on this album are different to any other solos he's done on any other albums possibly similar to tear they have this sort of they're far away from the blues as you can probably get, but they're also not anywhere near a heavy heavy metal guitar solo. You know what I mean? He's not coming in and going, right, I've got to do 8 million notes at the fastest speed I can, and I'm going to do all, all in, in these strange um, time signatures and um, strange, you know, uh, uh, keys and, and, and um, scales. I'm going to do it in E, I'm going to do it in uh, F, over, F over major E, major over F or whatever. I'm going to do this this E over D, E over G, I'm going to do this. And then that, and, and he knows where he lives and, it, and where he lives he controls like the emperor that he is. Um, and I, I think again also you know um, Murray and Powell and, and uh, all of them really sort of bring this, it's got a great um, uh, vocal line uh, Martin's uh, really knows how to, 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 to draw you in hold you and then blow you away with a vocal line that just goes wow God, where did that come from has he got a pair of bellows up his bum or something how did he get that kind of note up there um, and so quickly and with such you know okay you know when some people can sing a high note and you can go from a, a low E to a high whatever I don't know about vocal notes but going two or three octaves um it usually is quite thin and 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 light eerie tony does it with this thick vocal it's almost like it's singing i should have asked him i didn't ask him in the interview it's singing like at the you can feel it's coming from the depths of his chest and from the back of his throat and it's sort of deep but goes up the scales it's really it, um theo did it very very well and i think that's probably where martin's getting his inspiration from Although in the interview I had with Martin, he did say that when he was a lad, he was never really into Sabbath and stuff. Even though he's from the same part of town, they're from Birmingham. Um, you know, but it's funny how life takes you in these circles. Uh, to me, it's classic. It's got a classic of a heavy riffage in it. We do come back to a bit of heaviness on this particular song. Um, and then we're going on to When Death Calls, um, which is, as I said before, is Heroes. Um, is that right? Did I make that? No, Call of the Wind, Wildest Heroes. When Death Calls. Um, at la- I've written in big red letters, at last, a breather. Um, because 
you um it 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 uh it's yeah a breather is a, is the word it starts off with you get nice slow quiet pan, uh, pattering um sort of windswept stuff it feels <coughs> pardon me I'm going to cough down the mic there sorry guys uh, if I hurt your ears sorry man um, and women and ladies and children and wherever you are and whatever you are um, it's got the most I've written here Martin's most monastic vocal part I know what I meant by that I, I wrote that like at two in the morning when I couldn't sleep and I just wrote I was listening to the album and I rolled over and wrote monastic um reverential i've written as well um beautiful build up um to the chorus um and i think it's quite um quite religious actually uh, because it was when death calls so it's it's about i would say it's about being taken to your maker um about you know and a very apt at the moment with the queen um it's builds and is much quieter than the rest on the album. I've written the solo is fantastic, very uh, precise. It's very note perfect, very clean and brighter. But there's um, you do get a chance to breathe in this song. Uh, you know, so I put here cozy powers all over it again, um, filling the voids. Which a good drummer does, you know. A good drummer is either a good drummer either you don't hear, or you do. You know what I mean? It's uh, or you hear it, but you notice it only just. Um, sometimes a really bad drummers, um, because they're off time or they're weak willed or they're weak wristed or, to them respects poorly recorded, it can actually ruin an album. I've heard albums where the drumming's put me right off, um, and I think that's because I'm an ex bass player and sort of. Um, frustrated drummer um, and so you know I sort of it's all about the rhythm for me uh, and and it's, if it's poorly done whereas whereas Cozy is a genius God rest his soul died in a car accident and uh, hit a tree racing home back to his country house he was on the phone he shouldn't have been lost control on the phone to his wife um, and hit a tree uh, you know what is it about drummers Keith Moon and, and him what is it about drummers you know John Bonham Anyway, that's when death calls. I think it it's the shortest song on the album, but I think it's it's a nice breather in between before the next track comes along. You know, and I think you you need that. You need a little bit of um, to and throwing. I just boo booed there. There's a reason why the guitar solo is so precise and so wonderful on uh, when death calls. It's because Brian May is playing on it. Oh, sorry guys. I was just, you know, I did write that down and I do remember, I do know that. Oh my God. Anyway, Tony Martin and Brian May on, this, on the one thing, on the one album, it's like, it's orgasmic, isn't it not? It just fills you with warm glow and go, oh my God, what the fucking hell is this going on? Yes, yeah, so that's why the guitar solo is, it, it's not very Brian May-ish either. Can I just say, you know, Brian May... 
um, these Queen fans out there, and I'm not a big Queen fan, I'm be honest, I'm going to be brutally honest, I've said this before, I think they're a brilliant singles band, they're brilliant musicians, they make great music, and they are a wonderful, wonderful history in our music, and I adore their music, I just don't listen to their albums. Um, but Brian May, what a cracking guitarist to be on, and to see him live, as I did, uh, even though I was blurry-eyed and smelling of vomit <laughs> when I did. Um, I knew I'd. I was, re- I was talking about the song. I'm thinking this thing about the song. I haven't made a note of. And um, as you know, when I, when I when I don't know if you know this, my process for the album for this program is to I listen to the music if I'm listening to an album, and I make lots of notes. I just scribble, scribble, scribble. I do a history section, so I, I write all the notes about the recording, and then I just absolutely cock up a bit like that because I just my brain works too quickly. I've written it down that Brian May was on the album, and even said at the beginning he played on diff calls, but then I got to the review of the song forgot to write it down anyway so don't wave your finger at me apologize i would rewind it what does that but it would not work would it <laughs> and i'm not deleting it and editing it because that's just not me um so next song on the album really is going to be wow man i am so over this aren't I? i'm all over this i'm all over it aren't i um is uh killing in the spirit world now, Killing the Spirit World, um, okay, sonically, this album sounds like one song. This is a clever thing about this album. It's so beautifully, it's like it's like Tony and Cozy and Jeff and Murray and Martin, they all went together and went, this make one album that sounds similar for 40 minutes. And you might go, oh my God, sounds similar for 40 minutes, I can't do that. But no, it's, it is a delicious sound. It is a, a windswept, Bodmin Moor, um, you know, uh, abandoned castle, derelict church sound, right? Without being like the black metal sounds of Norway, you know. So, um, I, you know, I love that. I love it very much. In fact, Mayhem are coming to tour Australia next year. I am going to get my ticket. Um, but it, it is, it is, it, it has that sound. And um, this particular uh, track. Um, you know, killing in the, in the spirit world is, I think, my second favourite song on the, on the album. I think definitely um, because it's it. This is, I think, outside of Headless Cross, this is Martin's best vocal performance on the album. It's very dramatic. It's very atmospheric. Um, it it has an almost Odin esque. Um, pagan, and you know I don't like the word, uh, ancient pre-religion uh, feel um, to it. Uh, and uh, I think that's probably what it's based around. I think it, I mean, it could be about, I mean, again, I have to say that I don't know without the album. It's very tricky. No one's written, there's no reviews for what it's about. It's a very Dark Ages album for me. Very in the black and void. Um, it, it's got the best guitar solo on the album I think Murray's bass part on it is the um, tightest Powell's drumming is um, thunderous and like I said one of the best vocal points for um, for Tony really really and I'm not gonna I don't want I don't want I wish I could redo the lyric but I kind of I haven't even got it written down I can't write it down but um, it's it, that's and this really hurts me that I can't do this but it's a brilliant album. This is the opening track for side B. 
is five minutes and nine seconds long. All the songs on the album, I mean, the longest is When Death Calls at six minutes 56, um, followed by Nightwing at six minutes 32. So they don't hang around, okay? It's a good length of a song. It's built well, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, um, intro, outro, guitar solo, drum bit, heavy vocal line, everything you like about heavy rock and heavy metal that's in this um, song is there. And then we get Call of the Wild. Call of the Wild or Heroes, uh, as he wanted to, as they wanted to call it, um, has the best sing-along um, vocal. It has, it has uh, it's very, you know when I said that before that the, that it's quite muddy uh, in the mix, I think this is the least muddy of the mixes. Um, I believe it was re- recorded, because it was recorded in four studios, this is the trouble, you record through four studios, um, I find, unless you're using the same desks, so anyone knows about recording, you know, the best desks are Neve desks, um, I think anyway, and if if you've got, say, one studio like, you know, um, Amazon Studio, the last studio they recorded in, um, didn't have a Neve desk, you know, the sound that comes through it is going to be different, and you take your master tapes there and you put them on and you try and blend it, but I think that the blend in the mix once they sort of played around with Dobbly um, it got a bit um, messy and, I, and again I don't know I need to hear the original versions to to see if that's the case but this is the best solo on the album it's got the best sorry the best sing-along vocal line the soaring vocal line in, for Martin on this is just it's superb it really is very 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 um, uh, uh, awe-inspiring see on the end of this um, What's what Tony Martin does really, really well? Sorry, my earphones pulled out. Some money hearing mono. Uh, das ist gut, das stereo. Um, what do you hear well with Martin is he he ends his vocal line, his lyrical line, with a beautiful elongated scale note. Right, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to attempt to pretend how to do it. But you know, when they go, you know, eh, sorry, I mean that's awful. I've just there are cats running around now plugging their ears and um, and it's put them off screwing um, anyway <laughs> what does someone say my vocal line is like cat screwing um, oh hit the mic um, so hit my tea so you know it, it uh, it's and there's a it's very hectic um, I find this particular track I find um, Call of the Wild hectic 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 um but as I said, Tony has his ability to end that line and punch you in the face. Starts the lyric line, finishes it, bang. Starts again, bang, bang. He's just... I can't... I don't understand why he's not considered one of the greatest vocalists of all time. I, he really, really... And I know this is going to piss Dio fans off, but he's a better vocalist than Dio. I know he's, he's not... I mean, I know he's different, but he's just got so much more range... Oh my god. Anyway, we then move into Black Moon. Now, Black Moon is uh, originally recorded on the Eternal Idol album, um, Frantic. Uh, I think they needed to fill the album uh, with this one. Um, it's. I like the lyric I've got a black moon rising and it's calling out my name. You know, it's, it's sort of. Um, oh, that was not bad. Occasionally I can sing. Um, and. It sort of it it really punctuates the occult feeling of the album. You know, a black moon, 
the the devil is being born, rebirth of the devil. Um, it's windy, it's it's dark, and I like why it's great because it's easy easy listening Satanism, if you know what I mean. Um, it's it's I you know for well listeners that I really love the very very dark lick, um, black syrupy thickness of of dark black music i do i really really do um and i'll be doing another new uh, episode on that on halloween coming up um but at the same time um i really really like the way that this is a bit more entry level it's like um maiden's number of the beast isn't it you know uh it's it's, it's like priest's nostradamus album i think a classic album which is very much maligned, and I might even do that one day. Um, saw that played all the way through from beginning to end in Sydney, and it was just awestruck, awe-inspiring. Okay, um, so yeah, it's frantic, lots of guitar stuff. It runs off the end of Eternal Idol, so that's coming off. It's you know, it's their first foray with Martin, and so there's a lot of um, a lot of sort of franticness about it. Um, it was a single off of, off of Eternal Idol in 1987, uh, so I think they just want to put another, that did quite well, so they probably just want to chuck it in there again, maybe because they enjoyed it so much, and also it fits the narrative, I think. Um, and then we get to the last song, Nightwing. What a way to end an album. This song has enough um, slow, rhythmic, head-banging music that you could ever want. It's got Martin's wonderful stretching of a note at the end of a vocal line. It's got um, it's got uh, you know Tony's um, drop tuned um, rhythms. It's got this beautiful syncopation punctuation. There's a bit of um, alliterate. Uh, 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 you should never say. Should never say syncopation punctuation in the same sentence, could you guys? All right, um, a bit of alliteration there almost. Um, but it's yeah, it's punctuate, punctuated by this sort of heavy, you know, um, power sticks hit hard um, in this song, and um, Naomi's guitars lead slowly and inevitably marching on like the changing of the seasons. Um, into uh, into this cold and furious guitar solo at the end. It's got uh, um, Murray's um, steadfast rhythm bass. Um, you know that I believe. I believe if I'm rightly saying that um, I've got to double check this. Let me just check, guys. But I think. Um, I think that yes, I not well. It's sort of it's not it's not written down, but I think I read that um, Giza Butler played a bit on this one, um, possibly. But it ends that with this Nightwing, so you know about demons of the night, and it's it's I can I close my eyes and listen to the song. I listened to last night in bed, I couldn't sleep, and all I could hear was in my vision in my head was I could see castles and smoke and if you remember that if you haven't seen the video for headless cross it's very much like that lots of dry ice lots of white lights behind the drum kits lots of posturing that's how i felt 
um, so I feel with this particular song and it's the best way to end the album because it's just like the opening song it's a brilliant bookend a little bit longer uh, a little bit more dramatic could have been a good single I think actually I think they chose Headless Cross and that's a great single as well and to Devil, Devil a Daughter but I think this makes a great I know I had the single I had it on Headless Cross and Devils to Devil a Daughter I had the seven inch version black vinyl grey vinyl picture disc cassette single 12 inch an album I had them all um, I don't own them anymore I went through a phase back in the uh, when I lost the Headless Cross I also went through a phase where I just was giving away things and when we emigrated to Australia uh, I emigrated to Australia I left a load there thinking I'd come and get them or someone move them on and I never really dealt with it and I don't and I think that some of the regrets I have I left a lot of Iron Maiden stuff there as well when I think about it very sad day stupid date really um, but it not stupid at the time it was the right thing to do anyway I digress I digress um, the end album is now ended it is a beautiful album that will my summing up I'm gonna give you a quick sum up right I've got six minutes left I'm gonna give you my sum up my summation for this album I'm too close to it um, to for it to be to see any of its faults you may not be and so you could probably see some things that aren't right. I know that it's mixed a bit thickly, a bit stodgily. I know that it's sometimes a bit thin in some of the sounding vocal recordings. I know that it's stylistically the same from song one to the end, um, which I find is a bonus because it's my progginess in me. Um, I know that it um, it didn't capture the imagination it wasn't heavy enough for the time that it was released if you think about it 1989 1990 you've got your metallicas and your slayers and um things like that are, are coming about and, and and things getting heavier and there's stuff in norway going on and burzum and mayhem and all that stuff is happening um and, and it's becoming heavier and heavier and it has sometimes a sense of old man rock and roll uh to it uh that's me being subjective as best I can. Um, I still think that it's Sabbath's greatest album that isn't an Aussie album. I know that you're going to say Heaven and Hell, and I absolutely told you last week that I love it, and it's a it's a strong crew of an album, but this, for me, is Sabbath all over that it isn't Aussie. Uh, it really is. Um, it's t it is a vocalist, a great, wonderful, and a beautiful human being at his best best vocal performance is on this album um, followed very quickly by Tear um, and you know he was wonderful on Eternal Idol but this this is just like yeah sweet spot um, it's Iomi settling in with a band that is it that he's the only member of he'd made Lone Star which was a atrocious album they didn't want to be under Sabbath but they sold they released it under Sabbath um, it's really a Naomi solo album you know they, you know, the band had been up and down and been in and out, and and and, and it could never really shake off the shadows of um, of Dio and Ozzy. Uh, they'd had a few, you know, stabs at it with Gillen and and people like that, but it, it wasn't. Good. It didn't work. Um, they didn't gel. They were their egos. And this is the thing. This is what's wonderful, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Um, what is wonderful about this 
about Tony Martin as a singer. He doesn't have the ego. He didn't come to the band going, I'm Dio, I'm Gillen, you know, you'll play my music, I'm just, you're, 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 you're helping me, when it's the other fucking way around, right? Um, and Tony doesn't come with that. And all the albums he did, you know, he never had that. He didn't come with that. It was very much like the way that poor bugger Blaze Bailey got crucified, and I was one of them, when he, with Maiden, right? We all wanted, it, not Ozzy, it's not Ozzy, it's not Bruce, it's not Bruce, blah, 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 blah. It's not Dio, it's not Dio. Um, and, you know, we get, we, we, we see, we miss, we miss the wood for the trees. Yeah, we, we can't see what's in front of us. And people like Dio and, and Gillen, their egos were too big. Great vocalists, wonderful, best, you know, they're in that pantheon, aren't they? But, but really, when you come to a band with a guitarist as, as, as gifted and as iconic as Tony Iommi is, and with Giza Butler and Bill Ward, just to say that with Dio and Gillen, um, you don't fuck around, do you? You don't, don't go in there and try and change it. Turn up, say, what do you want me to do? Yes, sir, no, sir, free bags, full, sir. I'll add my mark, I'll make my moment, but I'm not going to change things because this is, this this formula, this spirit in a bottle, this lightning in a jar, this mercurial moment in musical history works. And so we should keep it that way. And I think that's probably one of my concerns, dislikes for the Aussie, uh, the Dio era, some of the Dio era stuff, is that, you know, come out in the press and bad mouth, um your predecessors just not it's just not good squishy man it's just not good squishy um anyway so summing up my favorite album i hope you love it i think it's an absolute bloody cracker of an album um if you can get a copy if you've got a copy you lucky bastards you're honestly fuck um this will wait for the reissue because when it comes out i'm having on every format possible and in every shape size and color um and I will then probably do a, a re re look at this and just see if I think the sounds are any different. I probably highly doubt it. Am I being rose tinted? Possibly. Am I allowed to be? Yes. I think everyone should have those moments and those albums. And I think if everyone thinks you're going to be subjective all the time, um, then you're obviously clearly you haven't got a romantic bone. You burn your body, or you're too analytical. Anyway. Reach out. It is on YouTube. I have found it. I had to listen to it on YouTube. The sound isn't great. You can't track by track. You have to just... Um, there is a breakdown of the tracks and their timings on the one that I was looking at. I might put the link in if I can find it. Um, I just don't want to get the show in trouble, but we'll see. Um, I'll put the link to the Tony Martin interview. Uh, please reach, go and watch it. I love doing it. It was an hour long. I was told to do 15 minutes and Tony wanted to talk for an hour. Am I going to say no to him? No. Did I look like a bit of a sycophant sometimes? Yes. Was I a, 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 a skittish young boy again? Yes. Um, but isn't that a wonderful thing? Anyway, I've chatted on for too long. I've taken too much of your time. Go listen to the album. Next week's one is going to be, I'm not quite sure yet. It's up in the air, but I will think of it. Um, I am thinking, my darling wife did say, this do cover versions, the best and the worst. So we might do that. In fact, that's probably a good idea. I'll do best and worst cover versions. Um, and I've already got a few in my mind which I know I'm definitely going to talk about that's me for today take it easy guys bye for now
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 